Welcome to On the Docket with the National Drug Court Resource Center. I'm your host, Nick Bills. The National Drug Court Resource Center, or NDCRC, is housed in the Justice Programs Office, or JPO, a center in the School of Public Affairs at American University. JPO provides research, technical assistance, training, program evaluation, and capacity building services to jurisdictions, organizations, and government agencies throughout the U.S. and internationally. The National Drug Court Resource Center is part of the Bureau of Justice Assistance at the U.S. Department of Justice's Drug Court Initiative. NDCRC is the go-to place for treatment court practitioners to access a wide variety of resources to make their programs as effective as possible. The ideas and thoughts expressed in this podcast do not directly reflect those of the Justice Programs Office, American University, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, or the Department of Justice. In our previous episode of Color in the Court, exploring racial and ethnic disparities in treatment courts, we spoke with three professors about racial and ethnic disparities in the criminal justice system, including treatment courts. To listen to that episode, check out our website at www.ndcrc.org. Today's episode will focus on how treatment courts can address racial and ethnic disparities in their treatment courts. We will hear from Zephi Francis, who is a researcher at American University's Justice Programs Office, who will discuss the Racial and Ethnic Disparities Program assessment tool that his team has developed. We will also hear from Daryl Turpin about a program known as HEAT, or Habilitation Empowerment Accountability Therapy, which is a trauma-informed group counseling intervention. First up, though, Zephi, thank you so much for joining us today. The Justice Programs Office recently released the Racial and Ethnic Disparities, or RED, Program Assessment Tool. So tell us what is the purpose of the tool, what does it assess, and how can people use it, and who should use it as well? Hi, Nick. Thank you for inviting me to be part of this podcast series. I'm excited to talk about the work the Justice Programs Office at American University is doing around racial and ethnic disparities. We developed the RED program assessment tool to help treatment courts determine if racial and ethnic disparities were present in their system and processes. To fulfill this mission, we created the Racial and Ethnic Disparities RED Program Assessment Tool, which is a secure and confidential web-based platform that has a series of closed and open-ended questions to capture information about treatment courts' operations and procedures with an emphasis on examining areas where racial and ethnic disparities may exist. There are three goals for the RED Program Assessment Tool to raise awareness about racial and ethnic disparities in treatment courts, to assist users identify racial and ethnic disparities in their system and processes, and to offer recommendations on alleviating racial and ethnic inequities in programs. The assessment has eight sections, and some of the topics cover court information, intake, assessments, demographics, team members, training, and drugs, treatment, and support services is in one section, And our last section includes evaluation and monitoring. The tool is usable for any treatment court that serves clients with an underlying substance use or mental health issue. All right, excellent. There's a a lot in there. Talking a little bit, maybe going a little slower through the different facets of the the RED tool, you touched on the, the purpose of the tool. Do you have in mind maybe some indicators that a court should consider you know, assessing themselves? Is it, is this something that people can always self-diagnose? Like, oh yes, we should use the red assessment tool. Or is this something that has to be prescribed? Like someone else outside looks at a treatment court system or a criminal justice system and says, we think there might be some bias here. How does that get started? One thing I always like to tell courts is that this assessment is just like going to a doctor. So if, for example, you go to your yearly checkup 
and you may go to a doctor and your doctor tells you that you are perfectly healthy and the doctor doesn't need to see you until a year later. Or you can go to a doctor and the doctor can tell you that you have high blood pressure and the doctor wants you to start working out or wants you to start taking medicine. So even if your court doesn't have any indication, we still think that your court would benefit from taking this tool. And I also will say there are some courts who do have some indicators. So for example, if a court is analyzing their data and they're realizing that there are participants who may be Black or Hispanic, and they aren't graduating these programs at a high rate, they can look at their data and see that whites are completing a program. They may want to say, this is a disparity here. How can we improve upon our graduation rates? And I'll also mention there are some courts who realize that their population in the court doesn't reflect those who should be in the program. So, for example, in a jurisdiction, if there's a high percentage of participants getting arrested for a drug issue, then you should see a good amount of people of color in the drug court if they are being arrested in the community for these issues. So, looking at some of those indicators, such as you know who is getting into the program, such as eligibility, if you think that your program is underrepresented, or racial and ethnic minorities, then we think that this would definitely be a tool that will help treatment courts. The tool is fairly new, but have any courts completed the assessment and what's been their experience with the RED assessment tool? Before releasing the tool to the wider treatment court field, we were able to pilot the tool with three treatment courts. Preeti Menon, who is the project director for NDCRC, and I traveled to Louisiana, Missouri, and North Carolina. These courts completed the tool, and these site visits were an opportunity for us to receive feedback on the tool. We wanted to ensure that this tool was user-friendly for practitioners and applicable to their treatment court program. One of the suggestions we got from a site visit was to maybe provide definition. On the tool, there was some terminology that some people weren't too familiar with or just wanted a better understanding. So we took that suggestion, and now we have a glossary of terms. So we provide treatment courts with a glossary of terms so they'll know exactly what we mean by certain words that we use throughout the assessment. Our overall goal was to make this user-friendly, and we wanted to make sure that this was an assessment that treatment courts would want to use you know, before we rolled it out. I would also mention that one of the sites noted that completing this tool gave them the space to have a much-needed discussion around race and equity in their program. The tool was a starting point for the team to pinpoint some issues and to make adjustments. And so, for a treatment court that has decided they would like to do the assessment, uh, what's the best way for them to sign up and get those results? To find the RED program assessment tool online, you can visit redtool.org. If courts want to take the tool, they can click the Please Contact Us to Register link. A prompt will pop up and it will ask you to fill out your contact information. Within one to two business days, you will receive an email with your court ID and password and you will be ready to log in. Definitely encourage 
the whole treatment court to be present as the team goes through the questions on the assessment. Once your team has completed the assessment, you will get results. So you will receive an overall score and you will receive a score for each section minus the demographics. And these scores range from zero to 100. Along with the scores, courts will also receive recommendations on how to improve their program and make it more racially and ethnically inclusive. Once you get your recommendations, the court will realize that these recommendations are tailored to the responses they gave on the assessment. So we recommend that treatment courts complete this assessment on a yearly basis after they've had a chance to implement some of the recommendations the tool suggested. But is there is there any catalyzing event that in your mind would be like, this event has happened or this result has happened, the red assessment tool should begin immediately or you know as soon as possible for a particular treatment court? Some treatment courts are starting to do focus groups with participants and figuring out, you know, what worked or what didn't work in the treatment court. So that's kind of part of their evaluation process. So if courts have, you know, done an evaluation and they realize that there are some racial and ethnic disparities that exist, I think that would definitely be a sign for them to start this process. Uh, So, for example, I think most treatment courts have an external evaluator to come in. So if your court has had an uh, external evaluator come in and indicate that, you know, this court is experiencing racial and ethnic disparities, if you have that outcome data and you have that information from your evaluation, we think that this tool will definitely be worth completing. And if people want to speak to you about their particular drug court or treatment court or talk to you about the red assessment tool, is there any, uh, any way they can get in touch with you or any other resources uh, you think that courts should be made aware of? To reach the Justice Programs Office, listeners can email us at justice at american.edu and our website is redtool.org. We have a list of resources on there. So, for example, one of our resources is the Racial and Ethnic Disparities Program Assessment Tool tutorial, and it's a very short clip that will give you an overview of the tool and some instructions on completing the tool. We also have a a webinar that we conducted in partnership with the Center for Court Innovation, and that goes into a lot of the research on racial and ethnic disparities. We also had a partner, John Gallagher, he wrote an issue brief on racial and ethnic disparities, and it's a very short document that goes over some of the research and also some of the various different strategies that courts can implement to address racial and ethnic disparities in their programs. So you will find all those resources on our website. If they want to learn more about the National Drug Court Resource Center, they can visit us at ndcrc.org. We have a variety of resources that are available to the treatment court field. I mean, from everything you've described, it sounds like the only thing standing in the way of treatment courts is just the will to use those, getting everybody together and agreeing that this is a priority. Yeah, we believe that when, you know, treatment courts believe that is a priority and to tackle racial and ethnic disparities, that they will make room and make the time 
to complete this tool. We have all the resources. And if a court wants more clarification, they can still reach out to us. We are okay with doing conference calls with courts, answer any questions, or provide them with more detail. We definitely want this tool to be used, and we definitely see it benefiting treatment courts. Zephi, thank you so much for coming by the podcast today, and good luck with all of your future endeavors trying to, trying to make this a reality. Thank you for having me. Along with the Racial and Ethnic Disparities Program Assessment Tool, I want to highlight Habilitation Empowerment Accountability Therapy, or HEAT. HEAT is a holistic and Afrocentric approach to address the root issues centering on childhood and intergenerational trauma of black men between the ages of 18 and 29 involved in the criminal justice system. We're joined by Daryl Turpin, who is one of the co-creators of HEAT and a member of the RED Program Assessment Tool Working Committee, and he's here to share why he created the program and the impact it's had on participants. Mr. Turpin, thank you so much for being here. For just a bit of background for our listeners, in a research article by Vito and Tewksbury in 1998, the authors highlight the culturally competent treatment services offered to African-American participants in a Kentucky treatment court by a staff member. Coincidentally, you were that staff member, leading the efforts. So what motivated you to start offering culturally competent treatment, which later evolved into the creation of HEAT? Back in those days, there were overrepresentation of young African-Americans flooding the system. We saw young men of color just flooding the system. They were not necessarily amenable to treatment. They were not necessarily wanting to be there or had a good attitude about treatment. And back in those days, the typical thing that treatment providers were doing was discharging and administratively discharging them because of lack of compliance, lack of attitude amenable to treatment. And honestly, judges that were working in drug court at that time were putting pressure on treatment providers like ourselves and telling us basically that we had to figure out how to work with this population more effectively, that sending young black men to prison just because they were not necessarily wanting to be there was not an option. We were really forced, because of the way the drug court model operates, to really hone in on what culture responsivity, what were going to be the tools of engagement to properly engage these men in in an effective way that would let them have better uh, success and outcomes as it relates to their engagement in drug court. As a result of that, we began to develop models and interventions that would meet the needs of that population. It was really the result of being forced to work with a population that normally would not land in treatment. We found ourselves uh, having to work with that population and find tools that would properly engage them more effectively. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the creation of HEAT and how your work in the early time evolved into the creation of HEAT. All that wonderful work that we were doing back in the late 90s, we never documented. It was never manualized. It was never put into a format to actually replicate. We were just basically rolling up our sleeves and doing it. There was another gentleman that was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, We had heard about his name was Guy Wheeler. And Guy Wheeler was running the first African-American mail track for drug court uh, in the country, at least all that we had heard of, was doing some very effective work in engaging young black men by separating them in a different track and providing treatment services that met their needs. So after meeting him and working with him over the years, we figured 
hey, you know what works. I know what works. Let's write this down. Let's put this together. Let's manualize it. Let's make sure that it has all the best practices of what we know, what science knows that works effectively with this population. Let's ensure that we study how to effectively work with trauma impacted populations. Let's make sure that we meet the developmental needs. And more importantly, let's make sure that it responds to the cultural needs in an effective way. We sort of fused all that together, all our experiences, all the information that we had about best practices, and we fused that together and we created HEAT, Habilitation, Empowerment, Accountability Therapy. It's, it's just been amazing how it has rolled out and how it has basically transformed many populations. And I tell you what it has done as well is those who are facilitators, those who go through the facilitator training, and actually learn how to deliver the model, they actually become transformed as well. Because for the first time, they have the tools that they need to effectively engage. They actually understand it from a cultural perspective and dealing with their own trauma themselves, uh, racial trauma, and how to overcome many of those issues themselves using their clinical expertise and engaging and addressing and transforming the populations that they're delivering it to. So it's almost like to transform a population, you have to be transformed yourselves. That is actually happening, and it's rolling out in a way that I think is very impactful. We're very, very happy with the outcome so far. There's so much, especially in the healthcare field of research and literature, on cultural competency uh, as a way to reduce racial and ethnic disparity. Obviously, everything you've said so far, it's a huge part of HEAT, Now, you've been implementing HEAT or practices consistent with HEAT since the late 90s. Uh, Research is currently being conducted on the impact of HEAT, but from your personal experiences, what's been the impact of HEAT on treatment court participants? Unfortunately, what we've seen in treatment courts over the last several years is that drug courts have turned into white courts. And I think that the target population, rather than moving toward a population that could benefit in an effective way are moving in a direction to address the needs of those who are overly represented in the criminal justice system. We have basically removed that population out of many drug courts and just included populations that seem to fit more of a treatment model of the services available. I think what HEAT does is to say that those who in many jurisdictions are overly represented, we now have the services that can meet your needs. With these young African-American men, putting them in a treatment setting that was designed basically for white men, middle-aged white men from the 1960s, what many of these models are based on, they're not going to fit. They're not going to be able to adjust. They're not going to be able to be engaged and, of course, successfully completed. So what drug court has done to say, well, since you're not going to be able to fit within that model that we have to deliver, then we're going to exclude you from the drug court process. And unfortunately, what has happened is drug court in many places across the country has turned into white court, where many jurisdictions once were serving populations that were being overly represented in the system, now are serving people who are not necessarily reflective of the disparate numbers that are represented. So what we need to do is to say, hey, let's look at our jails. Let's look at our probation population. 
how can we best serve them and to make sure that we have services tailored to meet their needs? Yeah, they ain't going to all fit into your normal residential or outpatient uh, addiction programs because addiction in many of these guys is just a piece of the puzzle. They've got other behaviors and other issues and racialized trauma that impacts them in a way that just putting them in a traditional treatment setting won't work. So I think drug court had now, when treatment had to step up their game in the 90s, and I think it's time for the courts to step up their game and say, if we really want to meet the needs of this community, we're now going to have to include these populations in our courts and in our programs because now, because of heat, we have the services to meet their needs. If, after hearing this, a listener wants to learn more about heat, how can they do so? You can reach me on through email at girl, D-A-R-R-Y-L, at heat time, that's H-E-A-T-T-I-M-E, that's at heattime.com. That's Daryl Turpin at heattime.com. I would like to let folks know that we also have a motto called Heat for Youth for African-American males aged 13 to 17 years old. And uh, lastly, we're very proud that we just rolled out a motto, just finished our first pilot of Heat for Women, which is actually called Her. It's for African-American women, young African-American women in the criminal justice system, which we need to pay attention because that's the fastest rising criminal justice population, our African-American women. And we wrote out that model. We just finished our first pilot in Portland, Oregon. We're very proud. Just wanted to give a shout out to those programs as well. All right. Daryl Turpin, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come talk to me and talk to our listeners. Uh, we appreciate everything you're doing and good luck with your with your future just casually saving the world. Good luck with your future saving the world endeavors. I appreciate the time that you, I was allowed to speak and that you all are paying attention to this. Uh, I'm honored to be able to speak on the behalf of the Pinwheel Group and again to serve in this capacity to be able to ensure that we have responsive interventions to meet the needs of populations that are in need. We've just learned about two methods in which treatment courts and communities can start to address racial and ethnic disparity. The Racial and Ethnic Disparities Program Assessment Tool helps treatment court teams pinpoint where disparities may exist in their system and offer recommendations to alleviate the disparities. HEAT specifically targets a population who routinely struggles to complete treatment court programs. There's a strong movement within the treatment court field to provide a more inclusive and culturally competent environment so participants can be successful regardless of race or ethnicity. In our next episode, we talk to several members from Mecklenburg County's Criminal Justice Services about their initiatives to create racial and ethnic equity. To learn more about the National Drug Court Resource Center, visit www.ndcrc.org. You can also visit the Justice Programs Office website at www.american.edu slash spa slash jpo.